This weekend is special, uh, especially tomorrow. Uh, it is a day that we as a nation take time to pause and honor uh, those men and women who have served our country in the armed services. And, and so today, I thought it would be so appropriate if we took just a few moments uh, to do the same as well. If you're here this morning and you are a veteran, would you please rise to your feet right now? Awesome. Hey, church, can we give it up for these folks? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your service to this country. <clears throat> really appreciate you guys. You can be seated. You know, Scripture tells us to give honor where honor is due, and so uh, it, it is fitting for us to take time and just say thank you. One of the things I'm realizing... Uh, I, I've been a pastor now um, here at the bridge for eight years, and one of the things I've seen over that time with such a, a close draw to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base, so many Air Force men and women, is I, I've realized that in the armed services, when, when you sign up, when you enlist, you are essentially giving the United States government a blank check. You're saying, whatever it takes, wherever I need to go, whatever I need to do, I am willing to pay the price. And you sign up without knowing everything that will be required of you. And so I want to encourage you. Uh, it, you saw these folks who stood up today. Uh, make sure you speak to them in the lobby. Make sure you contact a veteran in your life, maybe a family member, maybe a coworker, whoever that might be, today or this afternoon, tomorrow, whenever it is, and just say thank you for what you've done. And uh, that will mean so much. So we thank our veterans also want to say, uh, today we're beginning a new series. Before I jump into that, worship today. My goodness, was that powerful? It was good for me, I'm telling you that right now. Amazing stuff. I know there were a couple new songs, but uh, powerful, powerful. Just singing that last one, Jesus in this room, and thinking about what he did for us on that cross, and thinking about the tearing of that veil, and now that we have access to a, a holy God, that we as sinful people, our sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus, and now we can have access to him. And when you know it, and it's in your heart, you can't help but sing it with everything you got. And so, uh, so good, so good. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, media team. So listen, in that video, we're starting a brand new sermon series today, and, and in the video niche, I loved the quote that we used. It was by Mark Twain. I don't know if we gave Mark Twain credit or not, but the two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day you find out why. Now, every single one of us, we know when we were born. It's recorded on our birth certificate. Our parents tell us we celebrate every year. When you start to get my age and start to get a little old, you celebrate like every other year because they just come so often. But we know when we were born. There's no doubt. For most of us though, well I won't say most of us, for some of us in this room, we wonder why. God, what is it that you have for me? Why am I here? And this idea of a niche, discovering your life's purpose, though that raises a question that we all beg to be answered. We want to know, God, what is it that you want me to do? Why is it that you have me here? So that's kind of where we're going to be headed uh, with this sermon series. 
Now, obviously, in the first video with Pastor Andy and myself, the niche versus niche, that was just silly. I don't care how you say it. It was kind of funny. So as we were preparing for this sermon series, uh, we were in some planning meetings, and there were a couple folks on staff, and they kept saying niche. And we were like, what? what? Oh, niche. And so then it clicked, and so we just wanted to have a video to have a little fun with that. Uh, it doesn't really matter how you say it. Let me show you what we're talking about. Niche, and this is from Merriam-Webster. Niche is a place, employment, status, or activity for which a person or thing is best fitted. There is something for which you and I are best fitted. Here's the way I like to talk about it. You've got a sweet spot. There is, there is an area in your life that you enjoy, that you're good at. It looks effortless to others. You, you want to do it. You have a desire to do it anyway. There is that sweet spot for you. Now, in church world, we call it by a little something different. We, we say calling. There is a calling on your life. You are called of God to do, and then whatever that blank is, fill in the blank. And, and so I want to ping off of that idea during this series. There is a place or thing for which you are best fitted, a sweet spot, a calling. And so let's turn in our scripture to Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. If you have a paper Bible, I want to encourage you just put a bookmark there. We're going to be back and forth to this scripture during the total totality of this series. And uh, if you receive your scripture on your phone or whatever, you may want to underline this. Let's read it. It says, For we are God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork. We are the work of His hand. In, in the original language, there is this idea that, that God is forming us and fashioning us, that He literally worked for us, that his hands were on us, knitting us together in our mother's wombs. He made us perfectly. Another translation of Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. I love that. Now I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you. I don't know a lot about art. Okay, if you know me, that does not, in fact, shock you at all. I, I just, I don't know a lot about masterpieces. Here's what I do know. I, I know of some, the Mona Lisa, the Sistine Chapel. I know of some masterpieces. I know that people will pay large sums of money to acquire a masterpiece. I know that people pay large sums of money to go to the Louvre in Paris, to go witness and see masterpieces for themselves. There is something about being able to lay your own eyes on a work of art that just intrigues some people. Can I tell you that ought to be good news for us this morning? That when scripture tells us that we are God's masterpiece, because if you're like me, here's what I think about. I know the Andrew that goes behind closed doors. I know the Andrew that doesn't wear the microphone. I can tell you every fault, every shortcoming. Maybe that's you. You look at yourself and you think, why in the world? I wish I could change this and this and this about myself. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, that you are God's masterpiece. And that when he had you, he was forming you and preparing you. He was knitting you together. 
He puts you together exactly like you are on purpose for a purpose. As a matter of fact, that's how I want to refer to it in this series. You were made on purpose for a purpose. Let me finish Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let me break this down, this verse. Think about God. God is sovereign. That means He was there at the beginning. He'll be here at the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the, the beginning and the end. And God in His sovereignty, He saw the full length of your days, and He said, there are some good works which I am preparing in advance for them to do. And He looked at those things that He wanted you to accomplish he looked at your niche, at your calling, at what was best fitted for you, and, and he made you. He formed you and fashioned you perfectly so that you could accomplish what it is he wanted you to accomplish. That's what it says. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared. When he was preparing you, he prepared these good works in advance because he knew you would be the perfect person to be able to do it. That is amazing. That God loves each and every one of us so much that you and I were formed on purpose for a purpose. As a matter of fact, let's just make it personal, and I'd love for us to repeat that. I was formed on purpose for a purpose. Now say it with me. I was formed on purpose for a purpose. When I think about that, I think about Mr. Butch Daly. I don't know if you guys have ever been in Butch's wood shop. Butch is an incredible woodworker. Have you got anybody ever seen Butch's wood creations? Yeah, so several of you. Let me just, so Butch trusted me. Butch is a good woodworker, but he doesn't have discernment. So he trusted me with these. He told me that the wood... Some of the wood in this piece right here, he had it carbon dated. It is over 730 years old. He took this wood. You, here's what I'm going to do. Butch, I want to invite you to come down to the front at the very end. Not right now, at the very end. And I'm going to leave this down here. Probably don't want to just touch it and grab it like I'm doing. Uh, but, but you need to see this up close. These pieces are absolutely amazing the detail the precision the the care the craftsmanship that go into each one of these pieces and then this one is really cool and this is kind of where I want to spend some time so so I don't know if you can really see it there is a design in this and these are little pieces of wood this is what's called segmented design am I saying that right Butch yeah close enough he didn't he hated to correct me from back there this is called segmented design or whatever it is that Butch will tell you that it's actually called down here. And, and here's what Butch told me. He took me into his shop and he said, Pastor Andrew, the thing, the thing that's so hard about this, the reason more, more people aren't into it is because you have to look at a pattern and then you have to come over here to the wood and you have to cut all these little pieces of wood at, at just the right measurement, just the right height, just the right width. 
And then you have to match up and remember which color wood goes where. And so it's, it's time-consuming, it's tedious, but the finished product is absolutely gorgeous. Here's what Butch does. When he gets ready to do one of these segmented designs, he looks at the pattern. He says, what do I want this to look like when it's done? He looks at the pattern, and then he makes his cuts. And then he makes his placements. And then he sands it all down. He gets it perfect. Guys, God looked at your life. It is not by accident that you are in Mount Olive, North Carolina. And I know that for some of you, especially you veterans, uh, the military brought you here. And I know that for some of you, family brought you here. And I know for some of you, you were just born and raised, and you've been hoping your whole life to get out. It is not by accident that you are here. It is not by accident that God created you and formed you and fashioned you the way you are. It's not a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. You are a work of art. You are a masterpiece. And God has a niche for you. There is something for which you and I are best fitted for. Now, when Scripture talks about this, it doesn't really use the woodworking analogy so much as it uses the potter and the clay. In Isaiah 64, 8, it says this, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. I can just picture that God one day was in his shop and he put us, so here we are, we're the clay, and he put us on his potter's wheel. And as he began, that potter's wheel began to spin, he formed us and fashioned us exactly how he wanted us. Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I want to give you an example of this. If you would, take your hands out right now. I know some of you are taking notes. God bless you. Thank you. Blessings on you in Jesus' name if you're taking notes. Take your hands out like this. Now let's do some spirit fingers. No, I'm just kidding, but that looks good. All right, turn your hands around. Bring your fingers close to you. On every finger on your hand, your fingerprint is different. It's not the same on one index finger and the other index finger. You can put your hands down now. You get the point. But it's not the same on, on, on either hand. You don't have the same fingerprint as anyone else in here. We have some identical twins here with us this morning. Here's, what I, here's just a random fact I want to drop on you. I found this out this week. Identical twins don't even have the same fingerprints. So, Matt, if your brother commits a crime, he's going to jail. You're good, brother, okay? Hear me, guys. I know I'm having a little bit of fun. Listen to me. If God designed us so intricately on the outside, something that, that you can't even really see unless you get right up on it, the ridges and the patterns on your fingers... If God designed us so intricately, formed us so amazingly on the outside, could it be that He's done the same on the inside? Could it be that every part of who we are, our, our, our personality, all that we are, is on purpose for a purpose? I want to contend with you during this series that it absolutely is that you were made on purpose 
for a purpose, and that God has a niche for you. But you know what happens for most of us? As I've been talking this morning, as I've been saying all this stuff, you would agree with me. Most of you would absolutely agree with me. Yep, Pastor Andrew, I know God's got a calling. I've got a niche. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I agree with all of that. But the sticking point becomes for some of us, but what is that niche? What, what exactly is it that God is calling us to? And, and that really feels so lofty. It feels so big and so huge. And, and, and the reality is, I've got stuff to do later on today. I've got, I got to get groceries after I leave here. And then I've got to get clothes washed because school starts this week. And I've got to get the dog to the vet tomorrow. And there's a big assignment, a big project due at work on Wednesday. There's, there's all these things that compete and contend for our attention. And if we're not careful, the tyranny of the urgent drowns out the most important. And we spend years of our life in the prime of our life not doing what it is that God has formed us and fashioned us and shaped us to do. And we would all agree, yeah, there's something, but I don't know. I don't really know what that is. So one of the, one of the blessings I have, one of the privileges I have, is that I get to talk to the students at the university on a weekly basis. Um, these guys, uh, through coming to church here and through Fellowship of Christian Athletes and in, in other ways, um, I, I get a chance to have a relationship with them. And uh, one of the things that I hear all the time as a prayer request, they'll come to me, whether it's on the Connect card or whether it's in person at FCA or, or whatever the case may be, they'll come to me and they'll say, Pastor Andrew, would you pray... And then there is some kind of prayer for direction. Should I go to graduate school? Who should I marry? Should I, you know, fill in the blank there. What does God want me to do? But it's not just college students. It's, it's high schoolers. I, I mean, I think about, I really do feel for you high schoolers who are in the room here this morning. People are looking at you. You're 16, 17, and 18 years old, and they're asking you, hey, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And you're thinking, I don't even know what I want to eat for lunch. You know, how should I know? And so we don't declare a major. And we start school where we try to kick the can down the road a little ways. And man, I'm, I really want to figure this out, but I don't know right now. I just want to say there are some adults again, here this morning, who the question on your heart as I bring this up, what's your niche? The question that I hope you will answer and contend with is what is God calling me to in this season of my life? What, what is my niche? It's amazing when you find it. Guys, I, I think about how blessed we are as a church to have Mr. Craig Ladd Craig runs media for us. He's uh, our media director. I will have conversations with him, and he'll talk to me about media things. 
I don't understand what he's saying. All I know is he said, but we can get it on the screen for you, Pastor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We don't all have to have the same gifts. But we, when we find our niche, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Here's my point. I really believe that if we will zoom in, zoom in, if we will hone in over the next few weeks as we talk about this, that no matter where you are, whether you're in college or high school or whether you're an adult and you're like, I'm not sure I'm in my niche. I really believe that as we look at the scriptures, as we uh, listen to these sermons, as we pray to the Holy Spirit for guidance, that God will reveal this to you. Because, spoiler alert, He wants you to be in your niche. That's what He formed you and fashioned you for. And so He wants you to be there. All right, so let's jump in. The first clue to finding your niche, you can call it indicator, clue, whatever you want to do. The first clue to finding your niche is, number one, natural abilities. Natural abilities. And so for the next few weeks, I'm going to give you one uh, clue every single week. The first one is natural abilities. Here's the question. What am I good at? What is it that God has made me good at? What is it that he's given me abilities for? When you can answer that question, you are so much closer to finding your niche. Here's some good news for you. God will never ask you to dedicate your life to something that he hasn't given you talent for. Let me just say that again, because that deserves a good amen right there. God will never ask you to dedicate your life to something he hasn't given you talent for. Amen. How many of you would say, I'm good at math? If that's you, could I just see your hand real high, real high? Okay, quite a few of you. Yeah, good at math. That's awesome. God bless you. No, seriously, that's great, man. God made us all different. I'm glad you're here. Because that is not true for me. I went to Bible college because I was called of God to go to Bible college. But one of the amazing perks once I got to Bible college is I found out math wasn't even offered. They were like, you're not going to need this. Hallelujah. Hear, hear me, guys. When I see a math problem... I see a problem. Okay? I just, I do, man. It's like, oh, that's not good. When I, so, so math is not my strong suit. Some of you, when you see a math problem, you start seeing solutions. You immediately start thinking through the whatever little, there's a form and a thing that figured, I don't even know. This is so bad. I should have thought more through this. I'm just not good at math. I, I saw a picture the, online the other day. There was a student at a school, and he took a math test. And uh, on this math test, his teacher uh, told him to find X. And, and so here's what the little boy did. Go ahead and show that. There it is. <laughs> Found it. <laughs> this kid's genius. Now, he got that question wrong. Yeah, that's crazy, but he found X. Let me tell you, uh, this kid, God probably did not form him and fashion him for a career as a math teacher. You know where he's probably headed? Bible college. That's probably where he's going. 
I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning talking about what we're not good at. The, the fact is, uh, for most of us, we are painfully aware of what it is that we are not good at. Society has reminded us. School has ingrained it in our head. We know those places that we are not good. Instead, what I think would be a better investment of our time is to ask ourselves, what am I good at? What, what kind of natural abilities do I have? Because for most of us, we can name a few but we don't think about them because they come naturally for us. And so because they come naturally, we can't necessarily list them out. Scientists tell us, though, that the average person possesses between 500 and 700 natural abilities. God has richly bestowed upon you natural abilities. So here's what I'm asking you to do. If you would say, I'm not sure I found my niche, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to go home and begin to list out the natural abilities. What is it that I know I'm good at? For most of you, you will need help. You will need to call your best friend. You will need to ask your spouse to sit down and talk with you. Because again, we don't think about the things we're good at. Just, just a few months ago, I was told by a gentleman here in the church that I'm a good listener. I thought, dude, are you kidding? Man, I talk all the time. He said, no, I'm serious. I say stuff to you that I wouldn't normally say because you're just such an inviting ear. I thought, he's crazy. He's got me pegged wrong. Then I went home and I asked my wife. She said, no, really, you're good at listening. Now, that may not be your opinion of me. I hope it is. I hope I'm good at listening. But I just had no, I, I had no idea. And so I, I bring that up to say, I want to encourage you. Go home and ask those who you love, what is it that I'm good at? What, when you think about me, what do you see as natural abilities? Chances are there will be something that you don't even, uh, you don't even think about. Let me give you an example, uh, another example from my personal life. So this past fall, we signed my oldest up, Mason, for soccer. And uh, he was four, and he was on a 6U team, and so he was the youngest you could be in that league. And he was on a team full of other four-year-olds. And so it was a long year. <laughs> it was a long year. We got beat down pretty good a couple times. But here's what happened. It was really cool to see from the first day of practice until the last game just how much each of the kids grew in their knowledge of soccer, how they began to work as a team, how they began anticipating the other uh, teammates' moves and those sorts of things. And so all that was really neat. But the reason I tell you this is because there was another kid on the team who was a soccer stud. I am telling you, another four-year-old, this kid scored three to four times more goals than any other kid on the whole team. As a matter of fact, if you were to take all the goals that the, whole, the, the rest of our team scored and stack it up to his, I bet he scored more goals. His name is Caden Rowe. His mom was the one who was playing the acoustic guitar. Dad helps out sometimes in media, Chris and Tiffany. 
Caden was amazing. Anytime Caden got out in the open field, you could feel this sense of excitement beginning to well up on the parent's sideline. It was like, go Caden, go Caden, go Caden! You know, we're pumped, we're cheering, because I told you it's been a tough year. We're all four-year-olds out there. We're going against these older teams. And then he would go down. If he ever got in the open field, money in the bank. He was good. Let me tell you what happened at the last game. So the very last game of the year, Caden's going down. He's in the open field, and we're playing against this team that's got this six-year-old girl who we need to check a birth certificate because I'm pretty sure she was eight. But anyway, she is running down, and he is right there in front of the goal and running full speed for four, running. Does a little toe tap. The girl goes to defend the basket. She didn't know he was going to stop. She flows right on by. Caden just stops, kind of casually kicks it in. The parents went wild. It, it really is a wonder we didn't carry that boy off the field on, his, on our shoulders that day, okay? Here's why I tell you that about that. Caden was not older than any of the other kids out there. He was not taller, faster, stronger. There was nothing to indicate on the first day of practice, that that was what was going to happen that year. But Caden found his niche. He just had some natural ability in soccer that was uncommon for his age. Guys, Scripture talks about this over and over again in so many different places, how God will bestow natural ability on certain people to do certain things. Let me give you an example. Uh, I'm coming to you from Exodus 35. I really wanted to give you an example that chances are you have read these verses at other times and you read right over them. And I want us to look, uh, look at it with this perspective of looking at natural abilities and God's ability to bestow them. And, and let's read it with that lens on. Exodus 35, beginning in verse 30, here's what it says. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and, read this next part with me, with all kinds of skills. God-given skills. God-given abilities. Verse 32. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Oheliab, son of Asamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers, and designers. Here's what I want you to take away from those six verses in Exodus 35. God gave Bezalel and Oheliab natural abilities, a, a special endowment of natural abilities in these areas for the building of of the tabernacle. At that particular time in the history of the nation of Israel, they were building the tabernacle, and God said, Here's what needs to be done. Here are my purposes to expand the kingdom of God in this day. We know that God is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. And if God did that for Bezalel and Oheliab back then, I believe wholeheartedly that today, in 2019, God is still bestowing upon each and every one of His children special skills and abilities to do His work, to, to accomplish the kingdom purposes on this earth today. Amen? Amen. To grow His kingdom, to see the work of the church be done. And so that's what Bezalel and Oheliab were doing. Very quickly, I know time is getting away from us. Very quickly, I want to give you three ways God wants you to use your abilities. Three ways. Number one, to honor God. What does God want me to do with my natural abilities? Number one, honor God. Last Sunday, we had a Christian illusionist, Zach Mirzada, here. He did a phenomenal job. I really envy I almost thought about putting some confetti in my back pocket. Just, I think that'd be so cool. A couple of you dared me. I decided I couldn't pull it off. He was amazing. The illusions he did last week, his ability to draw each and every one of us in. He did it that morning, and then he did it again for the evening service here at the University of Mount Olive. Did different tricks. The only trick was the same was the Rubik's Cube. He did these illusions, was incredible at them. He had natural ability to do that, drew the audience in. And then when he had our attention, the thing that I appreciated so much about Zach was he talked about Jesus. He said, let me share you, my story with you about how I became a Christ follower. Absolutely amazing. And you know what happened? Three people in our service last Sunday morning gave their heart to Christ. Can we just celebrate that right now? Keep your hands together. Fifteen people in the evening service gave their heart to Jesus. So we use our natural abilities to honor God, whatever they might be. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, whether it's preach or sing or do illusions or wave in the parking lot, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Number two, to make a living. Whether you're gifted as a mechanic or a farmer or a police officer or a nurse or a farmer, whatever it is that God has given you ability for, God has given you that ability not only for the kingdom of God, but also so that you can create a living with that. You have a niche professionally. Deuteronomy 8.18 Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God gives us natural abilities to be able to make a living. I think that makes sense to us that, that God would give us these abilities to be able to make a living. So let me go on. The third way God wants you to use your natural abilities is to serve others. God has given us skills and abilities so that we will in turn serve others. You and I, we were saved to serve. God, God didn't just save us so that we would be able to escape the wrath of hell. God didn't just save us so that we would have just an abundant life here on this earth. God didn't save us so that we could consume and we could come to church and say, well, I hope the music's good today. 
Well, I hope he's funny when he preaches, because last Sunday he wasn't. We're not consumers, we are producers. We have been saved to serve. There's a gentleman by the name of Lawrence Gonzalez, and, and he wrote a book, he authored a book called Deep Survival. In this book, uh, in this book, one of the things he did was he looked at people who were in dire situations. These people who were sailors, stranded at sea, hikers in mountainous terrain, whatever the case may be, all these people who, who were in these really dire situations, and unfortunately, some of them didn't make it. Some of them made it, but some of them didn't. And Lawrence went back, and he assessed the situation after the fact, and he said, what can be learned? If you find yourself in a survival situation, what can you do to make it? Are, are there advantages to be gained. Again, the book's called Deep Survival, and this is a direct quote from his book. He says, Helping someone else is the best way to ensure your own survival. It takes you out of yourself. It helps you rise above your fears. Now you're a rescuer, not a victim. Isn't it amazing? That, that after years of study, what Lawrence came up with was what Scripture, God had told us several thousand years before. That the way that we will be most fruitful and fulfilled is when we spend our life investing in others. When we use our life, we pour it out for the benefit of others. Say one more thing and I'm done. I'm saying this in closing. <clears throat> when I think about finding your niche, when I think about the, what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, I, I think about it, it doesn't scare Satan that you're here at church today. It doesn't scare him. We have an enemy who is real. And it doesn't scare him that we're here. It doesn't scare him that we read our Bible. Who cares? You know when he sits up and starts to take notice? When we start doing something about it. When we start living differently because of what we've read in that Word. When we start taking steps to witness to someone else. When, when we start getting serious about finding our niche terrifies him. He knows God formed you and fashioned you for a purpose. And when you get in that purpose, you will reach levels of maximum effectiveness like you have never seen before. Caden on a soccer field is on a different level. Craig in that media booth, he's on a different level. Lauren and Brooks, when they are up here worshiping, they are on a different level because they are in their niche. So many of you are in your niche. But for those of you who aren't, I'm asking you, would you just lean in over these next few weeks? You talk about making the devil nervous. Guys, we could see revival and Wayne and Duplin and Sampson County. We could see revival in this area like never before. 
if the people of God found the heart of God and started living for the purposes of God. Can I pray for you? Would you just stand to your feet right now? Let's just all stand. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. Let's stand as we pray. Heavenly Father, God, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I know. I think everybody agrees with me that we have a sweet spot, that we have a niche. But Lord, I see so many of us who are not living in that niche. I I see so many of us who are not fruitful and fulfilled and we wonder if God's real. And we wonder, God, am I wasting my life? Lord, my prayer is that for each and every one of us, we would come consistently over the next few weeks. We would lean in to this material and we would get serious about finding our niche. I just believe that as we do that, God, it is your desire to show us our niche, to show us our best fit. So I'm asking you to do it. And Lord, as you do it, I just believe that we are going to see results like we've never seen for your glory. Thank you for being here with us today. I pray that you would uh, minister to us this week, that we would make time to be alone with you, make time to read your word, make time for that relationship. God, I pray all these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen.